was a bud nestled deep in your earth, a dream nestled deep in your dark, when you woke me to life, into precious beating, and with every beat, it's always been you. When I remember the joy, the fluttering highs, when all was invincible, it was you, crafting the colour, dancing the song, hearts leaping in the wild beauty. When I think of the heartache, the pain that has marked the years, I see you there, by my side, hand on my shoulder, kisses on my tears, eyes unwavering. And when I tell you my limits, you take me in your arms, show me worlds that are bigger, Whisper horizons I'd never known, never thought could be for me. You have been my teacher when I've needed lessons, my daddy when I've needed strong arms, father when I've lost my way, mother touch when I'm at my end, lover's passions at the cry of my heart, my lord in the darkness, my god in the awe, and my friend, faithful one, forever by my side. When I look back through the years, through the moments, it's always been you. And my soul is a cascade, a water pipe bursting praises, a wellspring of gratitude for all you've done for me, for the splendor you are. I am celebrating you. I am singing your worth. And I cannot help but rise abandoned, a fountain of thank yous, raising high your beautiful name. Uh, this morning, before we dive into the word, everyone in here knows, but maybe you at home does, do not. Uh, next Sunday, join us as this will be our last Sunday. Uh, October 10th, um, live or in person. And so if that's news to you and you're at home and you live in the Fontana area and you want to join us, feel free to join us, 9030 Sierra Avenue. Service starts at 10 a.m. We're having a special baby dedication. I get the pleasure of uh, dedicating um, my the, uh, one of the latest, he's not the latest, but one of the latest uh, additions to our family. And I got the pleasure of of, uh, of um, dedicating my other niece and nephews on Nathania's side. And now I get the pleasure of uh, dedicating one more um, baby on the Kingslander Kowalski side of it. And so um, join us next week as a special occasion for that. And then after service, we're going to have refreshments because, like, like I said, it is our last Sunday. And so if you want to join us, I know everyone here will be here, but uh, if you want to join us online, join us either online or in person. Um, this morning, uh, we are going to be back in the book of Acts. We're going to be wrapping up the book of Acts uh, in. Uh, 
uh, next week. And so I have a, a, an encouraging, thought-filled message that the Lord's been working, and uh, hopefully he can give me a, a complete direction so I'm not all over the place next Sunday. That will encourage, encourage you, edify you, challenge you, and uplift you. And so that's what I'm hoping that God does next week. But this morning, we're going to be in Acts chapter 27. And last week, we looked at Acts chapter 25. My sermon is titled this morning, The Anchor. The Anchor. And last week, we looked at God's provision. You know, we all know God provides. Amen? On his timing, God does provide. You know, I'm living proof you know, sometimes we want God's timing. I always tell people all the time, they're like, man, you know, how old is your son? Because he looks like he's so much older. And I'm like, he's 13. Don't, don't, you know, blow his head up even more than what it already is. He's 13 years old. And of course, they look at my daughter and they're like, well, how old is she? Like eight? And I'm like, no, she's a big girl. She's five. And I'm like, eight years apart? Yes, eight years apart. And wow. And, and then of course, I have to tell them that's that's not my planning because my planning was like like 13 and 11 and or actually probably like right now like 18 and 16 kind of deal because me and Nathaniel have been married for 20 years and uh, uh, well not not quite oh well, yeah 18 or 18 like 16 and 14 right and uh, you know closer to getting out of the house but you know it's one of those things and God's timing is perfect amen and you know I always tell people it's not because we plan it out that way it's because God has something else in, in, in plan for us so it's all in his timing. And we learned last week that the Jews were trying to get Governor Festus to send back Paul. And they wanted him to send him back to Jerusalem, not to say, hey, we want to try Paul in Jerusalem and give him a fair trial. It wasn't about that. It was, hey, send Paul to Jerusalem because we can kill him on the way, right? They didn't want to have Paul a fair trial. They wanted to kill him. And we see that again in Acts chapter 25, and we see that we saw that we see that, that that Paul spoke up against going to Jerusalem. And Paul says that if he's done something wrong, then you know what? I'll face death. He said, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with dying if that's what I'm found guilty of. But he says, I'm innocent, right? I'm I'm totally innocent. And he refused to go to Jerusalem, and instead he says, I want to appeal to Caesar, right? It's like us saying, we want to go to a circuit judge, and now we want to go from circuit judge uh, to the uh, Supreme Court. You know, I I want the the top ruler to come and hear my case. And so he appeals to Caesar, and Festus says, okay, fine. Caesar you want, Caesar you shall get. And by Paul being sent to Caesar, we see that that's the fulfillment of the word of God. It was a fulfillment of what Jesus told him because Jesus said when he visited him, he said, hey, you're going to be my witness in Rome just as you were my witness in Jerusalem. So we see it, it's a fulfillment of the word of God. And in chapter 26 through 27, we see that, that Paul now makes his case to Agrippa. And, he, and, and, and he, he, Agrippa finds no fault. In fact, in, in the end of chapter 26, Agrippa tells him he's innocent. He says, if it, wasn't, if, it, if it wasn't you mouthing off and saying you want to go to Caesar, you could have been free. But because you said you want to go to Caesar, you're not going to be a free man because now it's in Caesar's hands. It's no longer in my hands. So I'm going to push you over to Caesar, which kind of, when you think about it, why in the world would Grippa get in, involved with it when they were going to send him to Caesar anyways, right? He says, I think you're innocent, but because you wanted to go to Caesar, you're going to be sent. It's almost like a punishment. They were trying to punish Paul. But we have to remember that, that, that Paul was put on a ship, right? And we'll see that this morning. Paul was put on a ship. He was sent to Rome. And he was sent to Rome, remember, because of what? Jesus' words. He said, you're going to be my witness in Rome as you were in 
Jerusalem. And so we see that he was sent to Rome, and Agrippa can say, Caesar it is, you know, because you appeal to Caesar, Caesar you shall go. No, it's because he needed to end up in Rome because that was the will of God for his life. This wasn't Paul's will. This was God's will for Paul's life. And in doing God's will on the journey to Rome, Doing God's will. See, sometimes we think God's will is easy. We've touched on this several weeks. Sometimes we think God's will is easy. If it was easy, we wouldn't see Paul shipwrecked today, right? He would have gotten a boat, and then he transferred boats, and he would have ended up in Rome, and everything would be nice, and he would have had a five-course meal, and luxury cruising, and everything else to Rome. That didn't happen. He was a prisoner that, was, that we see that's going to end up being shipwrecked, and it's all in God's will. When you think about that, the ship encounters a strong storm and everyone's attention in the ship was put on the storm. They were concerned about the ship's condition. They started throwing things overboard. They started reinforcing their ship. But where was Paul's attention when all this was going on? Let me tell you, his attention was on the anchor, right? It was on the anchor, we know what an anchor is. You know, it's interesting how things work. I was uh, at praise and worship practice last night, and JR and, and Austin, they drive for a boat company, and, and all of a sudden, we just start talking about anchors, right? And I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm preaching on anchors tomorrow, and JR was talking about how he loves to pull the three, four, five, six, seven hundred, eight hundred pound anchors off his, off his uh, truck all by itself and how he has a, has, a, has a scientific, you know, thing of how to get the, the heavy anchors off where they can't even supposed to lift more than 75 pounds, but you're talking about several hundred pounds here of an anchor, right? And that can, can, can give us a real good understanding of, of the anchor, right? The anchor is, is heavy. It's secure. We know what the anchor is. It's to secure a boat or a ship, and it prevents it from what? Drifting. It prevents it from the winds or the currents of the sea or the ocean from the boat vessel drifting. The ship Paul was on, we see, had four anchors. Turn your Bibles with me. We'll, we'll jump ahead and then we'll go back. Acts 27, verse 27 to 29 says, About midnight on the 14th night of the storm, as we were being driven across the sea of Adria, the sailors sensed land was near. What did they sense? Land was near, right? Land was near. They dropped a weight line and found that the water was 120 feet deep. But a little later, they measured again, found it was only 90 feet deep. So where were they going? Closer to shore, right? At this rate, they were afraid. What were they? Afraid that we would soon, we, the word we is there because who's on this? It's Luke and Paul, right? We would soon be driven against the rocks along the shore. So they threw out four anchors from the back of the ship and prayed for daylights. They prayed for daylights. So the 14th night of the storm, two weeks in a storm, when you think about it, right? Two weeks on a boat in the middle of the storm, not with 2021 technology either, right? They were, they were hoping for some good wind, not bad wind, some good wind. And we see that they're getting closer to land, but it was night, and they couldn't tell how close they were, and they were afraid of doing what? Running ashore. They were afraid of a shipwreck, right? They were afraid of not knowing exactly how close they were, and so what they did was they took their four anchors, they tossed it overboard to stay stationary, and then they prayed for daylight, not for safety, for daylight. 
You know, they say their faith was, was in their, their, their anchors. And what they thought would save them was their physical anchors. What they thought their anchor would give them was stability. They thought it would save them from crashing on the shoreline. And they dropped them. And then they begin to pray for daylight. Daylight represents a new day, right? A new beginning, a second chance. But sometimes, let me just tell you, this is a, a freebie for you. If we don't change the behavior, if we get a second chance or a new day, the new day turns out to be the old day because nothing changed other than daylight. And let me tell you, just because the sun rises doesn't mean that your day is completely different unless the behaviors are changed for that day, right? Their hope was the daylight would come and it would change everything, right? The, the storms will go away. The light would come out. They would see how close they are, how far they were, and they were praying for daylight instead of safety. I'll tell you what a great illustration for us today. Their faith was in what? Their anchor or their anchors. Church, our faith should be on an anchor, and that anchor is Christ. Amen? The anchor is Christ, but so many times what we find ourselves is seeking out a different anchor that's not Christ. We go out and we find it in a relationship or a drug or this thing or that thing or addictive personalities or whatever it may be, and that becomes our anchor instead of Christ becomes our anchor. And then we wonder why we keep drifting because your anchor was not on Christ, right? And you get tossed to and fro because the vessel, us, you, me, is not founded upon Christ. Christ, and we're throwing out anchors trying to hold us down, and we're swaying. And the thing is, is we don't even realize it. You don't realize it. You ever been in a boat? Or if you ever swam? I don't swim. Just let you know, I'm celebrating one year of life from my canoe accident a year ago, right? It's been one year since I was drowned in the Colorado River. I don't swim, right? But have you ever, have you swam? I remember last time I was at the beach, Dennis and some friends were out there, and, and two of his friends decided that they want to swim to the buoy. And their dad was like, where are they going? They're far out there. The thing is, you really don't realize how far you float until you turn around to see where your marker's at, and you're like, dang, I'm far. And that's how it is in the Christian life sometimes, is sometimes we get tossed to and fro, and sometimes we drift away, and we don't realize how far we've drifted until we turn around and say, man, I've gone way too far, Right? Because the thing is, is we have put our anchor in different things instead of putting our anchor in Christ. And it's very easy to drift when our anchor is not in Christ. Again, we said the past several weeks, we must stay attached to the anchor that's grounding us. Amen? The anchor is Christ. It keeps us grounded from floating away. The ship disconnected from the anchor can float. And it floats and it floats, and it will be somewhere else just by the natural current. And let me tell you, the natural current is our day-to-day lives, and it allows us to float and float and float. And the next thing you know, we're so far away from Christ, and the reason being is we've picked up our anchor or we put our anchor in something else that was fake, false, or fraudulent. It's only when our anchor is attached to the ship that the drifting stops. It's only when our anchor is attached to Christ that the, 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 the waves of life may come at us. We may sway a little bit, but we're grounded. Amen? We're grounded in Christ. Otherwise, it's easy to float away. Acts 27, 19-20 says this, The following day, 
They even took some of the ship's gear and threw it overboard. They were throwing things out. They're in a ship, right? What can you throw out? Like, what do you have? I guess cargo, you know, the nice little pot from grandma that was supposed to make it to Rome. There it goes, right? They, they, they tossed it over, you know, food, whatever it may be. Maybe people, I don't know, right? You, you just start tossing things over to lighten the load, right? They threw it overboard. The terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars. Look at that last. Until at last, all hope was gone. They gave up. The sailors lost hope. They thought they would surely die. They thought this was in. They thought that this was, was completely done, right? They're dead, they thought. Let me ask you a question. What happens when we lose hope? And when we lose hope, what does that say about who or what our hope was founded in in the first place? That means our hope is not in Christ. See, for the sailors, their hope was, was, was in their physical anchor, but what about our hope this morning? Can we say our hope is in the anchor of Christ that keeps us strong, that keeps us founded, that keeps us not from floating away? There's four truths I want us to see is God as your anchor. Go. Our text this morning is Acts 27, starting with verse 21, and it says, this is Paul speaking. He says, no one had eaten for a long time. Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, this is what Paul says, men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. Let me tell you, sometimes we have to listen to that by God. You should have never done it in the first place. You didn't listen, right? And now we're stuck in this predicament. Ever heard that? Right, we heard that as kids, but we need to hear that as adults sometimes too. It says, you would have avoided all this damage and loss. You heard those words before too, right? It says, but take courage. This is the encouragement. He says, none of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. For last night, an angel of the, of the, of the God to whom I belong, to whom I belong and whom I serve, stood beside me. Stood beside me. Amen. The first anchor that we have is the presence of God. It's God's presence. It's God's tangible presence. We see in the midst of the storm, like we saw several weeks ago, right? When Paul was in, in, in the barracks, when he was arrested in Jerusalem, God showed up for Paul. God showed up for Paul. God showed up for Paul, and I've said this week in and week out, because Paul never left God, right? Never left, left God. Paul found, even in the midst of the storm, that he was not alone. Someone needs to hear that today, that you're not alone, right? Even in the midst of the storm, he was not alone. God, through an angel, showed up to minister to Paul's needs right where he was, right in the middle of the storm. We have to remember the situation. Paul wasn't on here as a missionary, although he was a missionary. He was on the ship as a prisoner, he was on the ship as a prisoner, and he now he finds himself right in the middle of the storm. But God's presence was still with him. I can only imagine Paul. Think about this for a minute. Everybody's just freaking out. They're throwing stuff overboard. They're losing all kinds of hope. They're all the anchors. This is horrible. And Paul's just probably sitting back like, mm-hmm. I told you, right? I told you. And there's probably people watching. Remember people watch? And people can be strange sometimes. Just sit back and just watch people, Right? Now, I, I, talk, I look at myself, and I'll, I'll admit here for a minute, I, you know, I'm, I may not say something nice, or I'm like, God, please forgive me, and Lord, that's a child of yours, and you know what? I'm going to pray for them right now, you know, kind of thing, and God really corrects me pretty fast about it. He's like, shut up, Dennis, you know? Come on, right? 
He's your child of God just like their child of God. Come on, take care of my creation, right? And I'm like, Lord, okay, I'll just stop before I get myself in trouble. But, but, but we see here that Paul kind of people watches. And then verse 21 says, finally, Paul gets everyone together. Finally, knowing Paul, let me tell you, he had the answer the entire time, right? The answer the entire time, knowing Paul, you know he prayed. Knowing Paul, you know he worshiped in the storm, right? Verse uh, 21 says that he, that they didn't eat for a long time. So you know what Paul says, whatever you call as dieting or not eating or refusing to eat, I call as fasting, right? He said, I'm fasting. We may call it a hunger strike, but I'm fasting because my God's going to show up. I know my God's going to show up. So you know, because of the life that Paul demonstrated over the last 26 chapters, right? Well, not all of it's Paul and and Acts, but but most of it is. What we see here is God showed up for Paul. And the thing is, is Paul knew he would. Paul knew he would. When everyone else was freaking out, Paul knew that God was going to show up. And let me tell you, Paul heard from God through an angel, right? He heard from God. It was after the crew exhausted all the resources that Paul finally speaks up and says, excuse me, can I say something? Finally, finally he says, okay, listen to me now, right? All resources are gone, and sometimes we have to get to the point where all resources are gone for us to say, yes, God. Paul says, finally, I'll get the, the, the people together and tell them exactly what God told me. I'll tell you, this should encourage us, church, Regardless of the storm that you are facing or that you will face, you will never face it on your own, ever face it on your own. The sailors faced the storm on their own because they didn't have a relationship with God. But if you have a relationship with God, you are never alone in whatever storm you may face, whatever trial you may go through. Let me tell you, you are not alone because God is walking it with you as long as, because the word is good, as long as we remain in him, he remains in us. Amen? you without god you're on your own but with god let me tell you every valley every mountain every storm god's presence is still with you as long as you remain in him he remains in you regardless of how you feel you're not alone amen you're never alone that's that's the first anchor to realize that god is near right the angels are 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 protecting his beloved and sometimes we can't feel it and we can't see it but let me tell you God is real. And what sometimes we view as not protecting, God is protecting. Sometimes you're like, well, what well, well, death? How did, that, how did God not heal that person, right? That person had a belief, right? And they, they had a faith with Jesus Christ. Guess what? They made it before us. They, they've already got their crown. So at that point, you know what? We, we can't view it as God didn't heal them. We can view it as God healed them wholly because they're in heaven. Amen? And sometimes we don't view things like that, but we have to view things like that to realize that God's presence, God's real is, 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 is tangible and real in and through our lives. Amen? Second anchor we see, verse 24 and 25 says, and he said, don't be afraid, Paul. This is what the angel of the Lord says to Paul. Don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness, how many know God is good, right? Has granted safety to everyone sailing with you, so take courage. This is Paul's words. For I believe God, it will be just as he said. 
Second one I want you to see, a second anchor is God's promise. As Paul weathered the storm, God came to him, and he didn't give him a new promise. This is not a new promise for Paul. This was a promise back in Acts 23, verse 11, right? This, this, this started back in Acts 23. Let me tell you, and if God promises, he will fulfill. Amen? The promise that God gave Paul was he would end up where? Rome. Right? He didn't say it was a possibility. He said it must happen. Acts 23, 11 says, be encouraged. Paul, just as this is, remember the red letter, Jesus talking to Paul, right? Paul, just as you have been a witness to me here in Jerusalem, you must preach the good news in Rome as well. It wasn't an option. It's a must, right? It's a demand. It's a promise. It's going to happen one way or another, regardless of how it happens. It's going to happen. It's a promise. It's real. Amen? Paul had to get to Rome. And now God tells him, use the word surely. I'm like, like, it's a funky name. Surely, right? Surely you're going to go to Rome. The angel of the Lord comes to him on the boat, in the middle of the storm, to reconfirm the promise. Hey, Paul, I haven't forgot about you. You're still going to Rome, right? Hey, Paul, you're going to live the storm. Hey, Paul, what looks like it's going to be the end for you, guess what? It's not the end. Amen? I have a promise that I want to fulfill. And God says, hey, listen, it's not just I'm, re- I'm reconfirming my promise in you, but I'm also giving a promise to the rest of the ship. If they listen to you, and they did, they did listen to him. If they, if they listen to you, you're going to save everybody. They tried to go another way, and Paul said, hey, and we're going to touch on this today, but Paul says, hey, listen, you, cut, you, 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 uh, you, you go on those lifeboats, you're dead. Cut the anchors. Cut the anchors. They listened to Paul, and they survived. The promise was, that nobody on board would perish, that everyone be granted safety. Let me tell you, for Paul, just having a word from God was enough to anchor him. It was enough to say, okay, God, I'm going to stand. I'm going to stay. He didn't need any more evidence. Paul didn't say, well, let me do this or do that or wishy-washy. Paul knew that if God said so, guess what? God's going to do it. Amen? Why? Because God is good at his word. You know, there's a song by Maverick City called Man of His Word. And uh, 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 as I was preparing this week, I'm like, what's that song's name? I had to Google the song and I listened to it. And I'm like, oh yeah, Man of His Word. I kid you not, as I was preparing for this message this week, as I was on this particular subject, at this particular spot, that song came up with my Pandora playlist. And subconsciously, I'm listening to the music as I'm typing and researching and different things. And it popped in me. This is a song exactly that God pointed me to. And part of the song says, if you said it, we believe it. If you said it, we believe it, right? Because God is a man of his word. See, and sometimes we have to be reminded of that. If God said it, then believe it. Amen? Because it's so hard sometimes to really grasp hold of that and really take that because God didn't do this for me or God didn't do that for me. Well, did he not do that for you or he just didn't do it on your time and God's still working on you and it may be a little longer, right? 
or God didn't answer the way you wanted to be answered. Right? So it's Paul's main anthem. If he said it, believe it. God said it. Paul believed it. In Hebrews 6.18, it says, So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. It's not possible for God to lie. If he said it, then what? Believe it. Right? So therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. The sailors had hope. They held to their hope and their anchor, and they were tossed. As they were tossed, the, the anchors overboard. And when they didn't work, when their anchor didn't work, when the storm continued on, they lost what? Hope. When you put your hope in anything else than God, let me tell you, eventually you're going to lose hope. Because it's going to stop, it's going to cease, it's going to break, it's going to get old, it's going to decay, it's going to depreciate. All of it. All of it. Right? But we put our hope in so many other things than Christ. But Paul had hope in God, whose promises stand the test of time. First Peter 1.25 says, the word of the Lord stands forever. Forever. Amen? Meaning when all else goes bad, his promise is what? It, it, they remain forever. And the storms, his promise is what? They stand and they remain forever. And troubled times during a pandemic, through a crisis, through a hardship, sometimes we have to be reminded of this, but his promises stand for what? Forever, amen? The word of God stands forever. And because the word of the Lord stands forever, we can stand strong and never waver. We waver. It's hard. But the thing is, 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 is we can stand strong and not waver. Look at, look at what, 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 what Paul writes about Abraham in Romans 4, verse 20, 21. He says, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. Because in fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. Abraham was, the Bible says, Abraham and Sarah were as good as dead, the Bible says, right? They were old, right? They weren't having babies, okay? But God, amen, but God, right? God shows up. Let me tell you, his promises were good. And as this scripture says, Abraham never wavered in believing God. And as the promise prolonged, Abraham didn't lose faith. His faith increased. Amen. A lot of times when things go uh, uh, and we're waiting and we're seeking the Lord and things get prolonged, our faith meter goes down. It doesn't go up. But we need to be like Abraham. As the things prolong, our faith meter goes up and not down, knowing that what? God is able to do whatever he promises. Whatever he promises. I want you to see something regarding the promises of God. And Dr. Everett R. Storms of Ontario, Canada, spent a vast amount of his time studying the, the, the promises of Scripture, writing in a, in, in a contact magazine. This is what he said. The Holy Scriptures contain a grand total of 8,810 promises. He goes, how do I know? He goes, I counted them. He goes on, he, and he classifies the promises into eight, eight, eight kinds. He says there's 7,487 promises from God to men. 
He goes on and says there's 991 instances of one person making a promise to another person. 290 promises from man to God, right? Apparently, he doesn't count our promises to God. God, if you just do this, I'll do that, right? How many times do we promise God something, right? 290 promises from man to God. 29 promises made by the angels, and most of those are recorded in the book of Luke. There are, are, are nine promises made by Satan. Two promises are made by an evil spirit, and two promises are made from the Father God to the Father's Son. 85% of the promises found in the Word of God, roughly 85%, are from God to men. 85%. I mean, you, you want to add that up, you know, you can, you can do what, uh, you know, 10, 10 promises, well, a promise a day is 365, so 10 promises is 3,600. Roughly, right? You can go on and do about 30 promises a day. Find them in God's word. A day. God's promise to man. See, but the issue is, is we tend to forget about his promises, church. We forget about it. And let me tell you, church, God's word, which is his promises, should be our what? Anchor. Amen? The third thing, in verse 25 and 26, again, it says, So take courage, for I believe God. It will be just as he said, but we will be shipwrecked on an island. He says, just to let you know, the ship's going down, guys. It's going to crash, right? But everybody's going to be okay. I don't know if that's reassuring or not, right? At that point, you're like, I don't know. Should I stay? Should I go? We're going to be shipwrecked anyways. Like, what's going on? But the third anchor is God's power. We have his presence. We have his promise. Then we have his power. Let me tell you, without the first two, we cannot make God's power an anchor in our lives without his presence. He has to be present in our life for us to tap into God's power in our life, right? And then his promise, right, leads into his power because there's power and the promise. Amen? Paul took a bold stand. He told them that everyone would be saved. He also told them, he goes, the ship's going to be wrecked. And, and, and we see that in the very last a verse of chapter 27, the ship was wrecked, but everybody on board was saved. Who can do that? Who can wreck a boat and then save everybody 2,000 years ago? This wasn't the new technology that they had. These are people floating on pieces of wood. Come on, let's grasp it. But that can happen with the power of God. Amen. Who else would have that kind of power to save man on a wrecked ship other than God? God said it. Paul believed it. And let me tell you, the power of God was manifested in his life. Let's tie this all together. Going back to verse 25 and 26, it says, so take courage. He says, let's read this together. He says what? For I believe God. Let's read it together. He says, for I believe God. Let's continue. It will be just as he said, but we will be shipwrecked on an island. The fourth and final anchor is faith. Faith in God and in his promise. And we can add to that faith in God and his presence. Faith in God and his power. This is where the rubber meets the road. Because let me tell you, without faith, you don't have his promise. Without faith, you don't have 
his presence. Without faith, you don't have his power. And it's null and void. Without faith, it's dead. James 2.14 tells us, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anybody? Anyone? You, me, anybody? Can that kind of faith save anybody? After Paul tells these men what God told him, he then encourages them. He says, listen, you're going to live. You're going to live. And he finishes up with those four words. What's the four words? For I believe in God, right? I believe God. Say it with me. I believe God. For I believe God, he says. Paul takes a stand. Let me tell you, regardless of what's happening around them, Paul says, come on. For I believe God, right? Regardless of the storm that they were facing, Paul says, for I believe God. Regardless of everything they lost, Paul goes, for I believe God. Regardless of the ship's condition, we threw away cargo, the ship's falling apart, and he stands and he says, for I believe God. He believed God more than anything else. He saw what was happening. He was experiencing it just like the other sailors. Let me tell you, we cannot feel God's presence, take a hold of the promises of God, or experience God's power in life without faith. It all starts where? Faith. Matthew 13, we see that Jesus goes back to his hometown of Nazareth, right? It's like us leaving, or some of us who have been in Fontana for years. I consider Fontana my hometown. I wasn't born here, but I was raised here technically Rialto, but I'm a student of Fontana. Fontana schools, Fontana sports, Fontana churches, everything. This is my hometown. And Jesus comes back to Nazareth and he wants to see the people in Nazareth, his own people, healed. He wants them to, to receive him. They, he wants to perform miracles for them. It's a natural thing. It's like you go into your hometown and saying, I'm going to pitch in. This is my town. This is my city. This is my hood, right? This is his place. Right? This is what he, what he grew up at. This is him. And he gets there. He starts teaching. And he leaves with only a few people getting healed. A few people receiving what he had. And it had nothing to do with Jesus because Jesus was willing to do it. Jesus was wanting to do it. But the Bible says, Matthew 13, that the people did not have faith. They did not have faith. Not everyone. The Bible says the majority of them couldn't experience all that Jesus wanted for them because of their faith. Think about this for a minute. Jesus was present, right? Jesus had the promise. He was the promise. And then he had the power. He had it, Jesus physically, God in a human form through Jesus Christ. But it didn't happen because they lacked faith. You know, I think about Paul and all that he's experienced. And I say, I want a relationship like Paul. I don't want to experience what Paul went through, right? Don't beat me. <laughs> Please don't imprison me. Don't shipwreck me, right? 
you know, please don't shipwreck me. I'm dead, all right? I'm dead. But the experience, the relationship Paul had with, with, with Christ, a transforming relationship from a man who persecuted Christians to a man that we revere, who wrote majority of the New Testament, right? I want what Paul saw and experienced. The question needs to be asked, what's the difference between me and Paul? What's the difference between us and Paul? And as I was contemplating on it this week, you know what the difference is? It's our confidence and faith in Christ. That's what it is. Because Paul says it all in verse 25. He says those four words. For I believe God. The ship was going down. He says, that's fine. Because my God, who I belong to, who I worship, who I have a relationship with, says everything's going to be fine. So all you people are perfect sailors. I'm not. I'm a prisoner. But I believe God. Amen? I tell you, Paul knew that God was still there. That God was still watching. That God was still leading. That God was still protecting. And God was still being God. Something that's very easy for us to forget about. All these things going on politically, coronavirus, internationally, everything else we can look at and we can point at all these signs. But the only sign that we need to be pointing at is God is still God. For I believe God. Amen? For us to experience what Paul experienced, we need to have the confidence and faith of a Paul. Because otherwise, we're not going to experience his presence, his promise, and his power unless we have the faith to do so. Amen? Let me tell you, church, living in these days, which I... I'm going to take it one step further. Not only is Christ your anchor, but let me ask you, how strong is that anchor? Are you throwing a sinker that's going to hold a 20-foot boat? Or are you throwing a sinker that's going to hold a 900-feet ship? What kind of anchor? Let me tell you, you may be on a 20-foot boat in your life. I want the anchor that's going to hold the 900-foot ship because I'm that vessel, and Christ is my anchor. Amen? Stand with me as a closing prayer. Challenge is, is where is our faith today? What kind of faith do we have in our anchor? Amen. Heavenly Father, I come before you today, Lord. Lord, we worship you, Heavenly Father, because you are a true and living God. I've seen you. I've experienced you. I've felt you. I know you. But I pray, Heavenly Father, right now, Lord, that you will make yourself real and tangible to each person here present today, Lord, and also not present, Heavenly Father. I pray right now, Lord Jesus, that you would meet us right where we are, Heavenly Father, and we are throwing out anchors, and we're throwing out this, and we're throwing out that, and we're trying to correct the situation, but I pray, Lord, that all we need to do is saying, listen, I just got to believe in God, because he is my anchor. He is my sustainer. He is my promise keeper. He is my way maker. 
We thank you for that, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord, that as we leave this place, Heavenly Father, that we are challenged by your word, that we look at you, Lord, as our anchor, as our sustainer, Heavenly Father. Lord, as the world has tried to toss us to and fro or to the left or to the right, Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord, that we're not, we're, we're immune, Lord, to the, to the waves of this, of this world, that we can stay pat right where you want us to be. Allow us to find that, Lord. I thank you for that, Lord. I pray, Lord, as we leave this place today, Lord, as we don't know what next hour brings, we don't know what next week brings, but I pray, Heavenly Father, right now, Lord, that we look upon you as our anchor. We thank you for that, Lord. Because all glory and honor go to you. In Jesus' name we pray. What does the church say? Amen. Four words for what? For I believe God. Amen. God bless you, church. Union prayer, come on up. If not, God bless you. We will see you next week.
said it. If you said it.